good morning, everyone. And Happy New Year to you all. Oh, we can do better than that. Happy New Year to you all. Wonderful. Um, I just thought I'd start um, very briefly by saying I'm really grateful. Lots of people have asked how we're doing. John announced on Christmas Day that uh, we had COVID in our family. Um, and lots of people have, have written to me and asked how I am. So I thought I'd say just publicly, thank you so much. Uh, we really valued your prayers and your concern. Uh, we're all well. Uh, Sabrina didn't catch it by God's grace, but, but um, my, very minor symptoms for us all in the family. So thank you for your concern. But I just wanted to say it publicly because I'm sure everyone will ask afterwards. So thank you so much uh, for saying that. Uh, please bow your heads to pray um, as we begin today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin, it would be great if you could have your Bibles open in front of you to the reading we just had from 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. I think it's on 1197 of the Red Bibles in church. And you might find it helpful to have an actual physical Bible in front of you. Because I'm going to be dancing around a little bit in 2 Timothy. So having a Bible makes it easier to, to look up the references as we go. Uh, last week, Steve kicked off our new sermon series, The Church in Action, uh, and today we're seeing how teaching is a mark of the church in action. And if you take one thing home from my sermon today, it would be this, that's on the screen. Faithfully following what God teaches takes courage. Faithfully following what God teaches takes courage. But before we get to that, uh, a question uh, that you might have right at the start is, why does it matter? Why does it matter if I faithfully follow what God teaches or not? That's a good question. And with so many different uh, teachers and gurus and world thought leaders to look to, uh, why should we follow God? Well, look with me at chapter 3, verse 15, 17, where Paul writes this. You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The simple answer is that the Bible is the very word of God, breathed out by his spirit into the minds of those who wrote it. And these God-breathed holy scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. If you want to know what your friend thinks about something, uh, you can have a guess. You might know your friend well enough to, to do that. But if you really want to know, the only way to get a clear answer is to ask them. In our Bibles, we have the very words of the God of the universe. And so if we want to know what he thinks, if we want to follow him faithfully, to, to please him, to live our lives to the full, as he says, then this book is the only place we can find out what things we need to do. So if that's why it should matter to us. The next question is, what does God teach? Again, a very simple answer. Everything contained in this book the scriptures are always our start and our end point. Okay, so if that's why it matters, and this whole Bible is what God teaches, the big question is, how do I faithfully follow what God teaches? 
Does that mean I can't uh, wear blended fabrics? Does that mean I can't eat pork? That's really hard for me if that's the case. I can't eat pork and I, I can't eat shellfish. Does that mean I have to stone someone I see having an affair in front of me? In 2007, a secular Jew named A.J. Jacobs uh, wrote a, uh, released a best-selling book called The Year of Living Biblically, where he wrote up his experience of trying to do just that, trying to live following the Bible's rules, the whole Bible, for a year. He grew a beard through the process. It was followed up in 2018, so 10 years later, um, by a 13-part comedy series, uh, which makes some really funny viewing. But isn't that what we're supposed to do? To faithfully follow God's teachers? To, to follow this book to the letter? N not exactly. All scripture is God-breathed, remember? And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, not even the smallest stroke of a pen in our Bibles, will disappear until everything is accomplished. And as Paul writes, all scripture is useful so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we can't just cherry pick out of context our favorite verses or use one piece of scripture over and against another. It's all scripture is useful. But, and it's a big but, as Christians, we must first see how these things are understood and applied through Jesus Christ. Remember, it is Jesus who fulfills all the duties of the law and commandments in our place. And so Jesus is always the lens through which we read the scriptures. Paul describes this way of understanding the scriptures in this book in several ways. Uh, he calls it the truth, the word of truth, the good deposit, the gospel, sound teaching and sound doctrine. And so, to help us faithfully follow what God teaches as we look at his scriptures, God has given two important gifts to the church to help us exactly with this. The first is the gift of his spirit. Uh, flick back a page with me to chapter 1, verse 14, and it says this, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And then he writes, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives inside us. The second gift of, is uh, what we call word ministers. Now, this is where I want to spend a bit of our time this morning. Uh, so keep a finger there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and turn back about 30 or 40 pages to Ephesians chapter 4. I think it might be on page 1175 of your church Bibles, um, but Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be for a few minutes. And I'm going to start reading from verse 7. Paul writes this. When he ascended on high, Paul's talking about Jesus here, when Jesus ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Uh, now picking up from verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's another name for the whole church, the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Now, what I'm about to say is going to sound really uh, arrogant. I, I get that. But I, Anil Apadu, am a gift from the risen and reigning Lord Jesus to his church. And not just me, but, but John and Emmanuel. That's what the Bible says. And in a similar way, so are those who are speaking right now serving our children in leading and teaching our children in different rooms around this church and our small group leaders and uh, any work we do in the, in the school. And in this section here, in Ephesians 4, it's a bit like our job descriptions. Word ministers are gifts given by Jesus to his church to equip God's people for works of service. That's our job. Now flick back to chapter two, uh, Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 17. So God has given his spirit and word ministers to the church to help us faithfully follow what God teaches. But do all word ministers faithfully teach? That's the question, isn't it? Much of Paul's final letter is a rallying cry to his ministry protege, Timothy, to remain faithful, to train, and to appoint faithful teachers. Why this emphasis? Because, sadly, there are false teachers in the church. These teachers are, as Paul writes in his letter, quarrelsome, who speak godless chatter, who have departed from the truth, who make foolish and stupid arguments, Paul says, who are manipulative, loaded down with sins and swayed by evil desires, who are always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul writes that false teachers are evildoers and impostors who have been taken captive by the devil. I invite you to go home and read this letter end to end today and you'll see all these things there. That's quite a damning picture, isn't it? Wolves in sheep's clothing, Jesus called them, whose goal is to devour the sheep, Jesus says. Brothers and sisters, the church is not immune from leaders being raised up who are evildoers and impostors. The church news has very sadly been filled with more and more cases of such people in the last few years, and I'm sad to say I'm sure there'll be more to come. So what can we do? How are you to discern as you sit here this morning and listen to me if I am a wicked false teacher or a faithful qualified teacher? Well, by God's grace, he has given us two gauges in helping us to discern this. The quality of the teaching and the quality of the teacher. Firstly, let's look briefly at the quality of the teaching. Now, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but trust me, this is really important. Faithful teaching is rooted first and foremost in God's words. The scriptures are our foundation, as Jesus describes the teaching in the parable of the wise and foolish builder. You remember, uh, one man built his house on sand, uh, and the rain came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the sand went... Kids would be louder. Splat! Crash! False teaching is built on sand. And when it is subjected to the storms of this life, the whole structure comes tumbling down. But the other house was built on the sure and solid teaching of Jesus' word. 
And when the rains came down and the sun floods came up, the house on the rock, well done, stood firm. At Christ Church, you should always, always find that our teaching, whether up front here or in any of our children's groups or in our small groups, our teaching will be rooted in the God-breathed scriptures. Not as a starting point that we, we jump from, never to return to, but as our north star, our fixed bearing to which we will sail closely. To give you an idea, I have spent uh, this week, and it wouldn't be unusual for John and Emmanuel to do the same, over 10 hours prayerfully uh, wrestling with, studying, and applying this passage to my own heart as I've prepared to preach it to you. Paul charges Timothy to preach the word in chapter 4, verse 2. And that's what we strive to do here at Christ Church, to preach the word. So I encourage you to be like the Bereans. Have your Bibles open in front of you and test what the scriptures say. The Bereans were people that Paul wrote, uh, Luke writes about in Acts chapter 17. And he says this. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So be like the Bereans. Have your Bibles open in front of you and test what we are saying against these scriptures. Read the passage before coming to church. In the e-news on Fridays, we tell you what's coming up. So read it, pray over it, be prepared. And come and speak to, to me or John or Emmanuel or any of our teachers if you have a question. If you think we have deviated from the truth, come and tell us. I hope we'll be humble enough to listen to you and to pray with you and to have God's spirit minister from you to us as well. And because our teaching is rooted in the scriptures, it is very likely almost every week, every week, for you to sit here in church, and me when I sit underneath other teaching, to feel uncomfortable. It will involve, as Paul writes, rebuking and correcting chapter 3, verse 16, and chapter 4, verse 2, as well as encouragement. And because of this discomfort, God warns us that there is a real danger that some of us in this church this morning will leave Christchurch. Not because what is preached is false, but instead because they will not put up with sound doctrine. Chapter 4, verse 3. The problem is not with the faithfulness of the message being preached, but with the heart of the person it's being preached to. So instead, there is a danger that these people might look to gather around themselves a great number of false teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, as Paul writes. And they may turn their ears away from the truth to myths. So I'm, am I saying that only Christ church teaches the truth? No, I'm not saying that. There are some things which the Bible talks about that two word ministers from here and other church, even amongst their own staff team, can come to completely different conclusions about what they mean and how to interpret them. Should we baptise children or not would be a prime example of that. And in most cases, we can disagree with people and still be brothers and sisters. These are what we call secondary issues of how Scripture applies. But there are other things 
that the Bible is far more clear about. In the modern church today, you won't be, it won't be a surprise to you, there are great debates about how we should interpret what the Bible says about identity, relationships, sexuality, gender, and abortion, just to list some of the more contentious ones. And how we understand these passages, we believe, are of primary importance, as they have to do with how we understand our salvation. Now, it would be unfair of me in the next few minutes to go through in detail these issues now. And so, as part of our ministry to you, in preaching the word, we are going to be partnering with Emmanuel Church to have a focus on series starting on the 30th of January, where we will gather here in the evening to look in detail at our Christian identity and what that means for our understanding of our relationships on the 30th. And then in following months on the topics of gender and perhaps race the month after that. So I'd strongly encourage you to make it a priority to come back to those evenings here in church for interactive teaching on these subjects. Brothers and sisters, this is a, a genuine risk for every believer in this church. It's even a risk for me and John and Emmanuel. We all have itching ears. But by God's Spirit, we need to keep ourselves rooted in the truth to sound doctrine. However unpopular, however uncomfortable it may be. So I encourage you to make yourself comfortable with discomfort. And pray for and encourage those who preach and teach here, including Keith and Rob, that we would do so faithfully. So the quality of our teaching is in the fact that we preach the word faithfully and we encourage you to test what we are preaching. Be like the Bereans. But secondly, we can know if the teaching is faithful because of the quality of the teacher. In a number of places in his word, God clearly sets out what he expects of the character of those who are his word ministers, what they should be like. And the bar is incredibly high. The character of the word minister there, godliness, is massively important. You should be able to look at the character of a word minister, either here or in our children's groups, how they live, the decisions they make, how they treat the people around them, how they spend their time and their money. And you should be able to discern something of their faithfulness. It's interesting to reflect on Jesus' earthly ministry. He was constantly at odds with the word ministers of his day, the the priests and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and Sanhedrin. Why? In the most part because of their ungodly character. Whitewashed tombs, broods of vipers, hypocrites, lazy, he called them. Because the bar for word ministers is that much higher. Jesus said that you will know a tree by its fruit. Paul reminds Timothy in chapter 3, verse 10, that Timothy knows all about his character. He writes, his way of life, his purpose, his faithfulness, his patience, love, and endurance. Paul instructs Timothy in chapter 3, verse 14, to continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because of those from whom you have learned it. The character of the people who taught Timothy, which beautifully includes his grandmother Lois, and his mother, Eunice. Uh, Today, we are privileged to enjoy access 
to so many Bible teachers from around the world. I listen to hours of podcasts every week. But we can't see these teachers face to face. We can't grab a coffee with them. We can't see how they treat the people around them and the people they love. It is hard for us to judge the character of leaders like Tim Hughes or Nicky Gumbel or, or Tim Keller. That's not to say not to listen to them at all. But we must do so with caution. But there can be a far greater level of transparency with those who teach in your local community. We have a kind of word for this quality of character. It's called Christ-likeness. And that's something that every believer should be working towards by the power of his spirit. So I began by saying that faithfully following what God teaches takes courage. And we briefly looked at why we should bother what God teaches and how faithfully following, how we faithfully follow what God teaches. My final point is, why do we need courage? A huge theme in this letter is persecution for our potential to, and our potential to be ashamed of the gospel. In chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, Paul says that he is suffering precisely because he is a herald, an apostle, and a teacher of the gospel. He later says in chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, For this is my gospel, for which I am suffering. And in chapter 3, verse 12, he writes, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not just those that Debbie prayed for through open door. Why? Because the world around Paul, the world around us, to them, the gospel and what God teaches is offensive. Our way of life is a stench, the aroma of death to those who don't believe. Don't get me wrong, this is the most joyous news in the universe. That repentance and faith in Jesus Christ brings forgiveness of sins and relationship with God. But to those who don't believe this, this is a stumbling block and foolishness. Let me give you two examples uh, from the press in the recent weeks. Uh, Mary Onuoa, I think I might have said that wrong, but Mary Onuoa has just won an employment tribunal against the Croydon NHS Trust, ruling that she was harassed and directly discriminated against. The ruling went on to say that the Trust created a humiliating, hostile, and threatening environment for her. Why? because she refused to move, remove a small gold cross around her neck. Uh, one senior manager, when she was a, a nurse in a theatre, came in and interrupted surgery to tell her to remove her cross, because he was, so cross, he was so angry with her about it, during surgery, while someone's on the table. Asher's Bakery in Belfast have just had the case against them brought to the, human, uh, the European Courts of Human Rights, deemed inadmissible. Uh, this couple have been dragged through the, the UK Supreme Court and now the European Court of Human Rights for seven years because they refused to ice a slogan on a cake that went against their beliefs. Brothers and sisters, to those who don't believe, what Jesus teaches is offensive and will cause division and is likely to lead to our persecution for believing and speaking about it. Paul himself writes that he is being poured out like a drink offering and senses his death, probably by execution, because of preaching the gospel, 
drawing near, chapter 4, verse 6. For Jesus to faithfully follow what God teaches took great courage. Jesus, who John tells at the start of his gospel, is the very word of God in human form, faced huge hostility. The people in his own town tried to throw him off a cliff. One, another time, the Jews picked up stones to stone him to death. And in the end, you don't need to tell you, he was flogged, beaten, and nailed to a wooden cross to die as a criminal because he faithfully followed what God teaches. We often call this Jesus' obedience to his father. As Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We need great courage, brothers and sisters, in this fallen world to faithfully follow what God teaches. And in his mercy, he has given us the courage we need. Turn back to chapter 1 with me. Paul, sensing that Timothy might be tempted to be ashamed of Jesus, writes this in chapter 1, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Going on to say, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So brothers and sisters, take courage. God has not given us who believe a spirit who makes us timid in the face of persecution, in the face of his truth. But he has given us who believe a spirit of power. Power to be faithful, power to overcome, power to not be ashamed of what he teaches. Power to suffer for the gospel if necessary when suffering comes our way. And power to stand before God one day when he returns. Faithfully following what God teaches takes courage. So by God's spirit, take courage. Take courage and follow what God teaches faithfully. Be obedient this year and always to God the Father, following his example of his obedient son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Please bow your heads to pray. Father God, we thank you for your words that is truth, that in you we have a God who speaks clearly. I pray for myself and the ministers here that by your spirit you would keep us faithful. And I pray for our church gathered and those who aren't here today, that by your spirit you would keep our ears from itching, that you would keep us like the Bereans, that you would keep us humble and keep us rooted in your words. Lord, will we be known as a church where we uh, build one another up in your word, where we all teach one another what your word says, that where we see a brother or sister going astray with quarreling or foolish arguments or turning from the truth, that we would have the courage by your spirit to speak sometimes hard, sometimes encouraging words to them to bring them back to the truth. Lord, this is a work of your spirit that we so desperately need. Give us courage today in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, in our homes, in our streets to be obedient to your word and to preach your word faithfully. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.